The following is a Mission Studios podcast. This is the missionary position, and we are... Off-color. Politically incorrect. Abrasive. Offensive. Insensitive. Obnoxious. And sometimes stuck in the fuck you mode. It's Sunday. It's October 21st. And I spent the last week trying to fit my ego on a one terabyte hard drive. I'm AC. And I'm Jason. On this week's episode... We sharpen up the coat hanger. Risk exposure to a plague. We pick on Generation X. And we insist that wrestling is not fake! So lube up! Turn off the lights. Lay down! And get ready for another night in the shit abyss. The fuck is that? You know, trailer park boys, obviously. This is episode 16. So, I got something that I need to get off my chest. All righty. Wrestling is real. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well. And, yeah. and I'm not talking about that fake Greco-Roman Olympic garbage. Hey, fuck you. I'm, I'm talking about real wrestling. Uh-huh. You know, WCW, WWF. Yeah, you catch that? Yeah, I got WWF. That. Fuckers, or WWE, whatever the fuck you idiots call it these days. But for dinosaurs like us, WWF, WCW, New Japan, oh yeah, TNA, Ring of Honor, wrestling is real, motherfuckers. Oh, I can't wait to hear this one. All right. No, like I, I get that the personalities are exaggerated or invented. Right. I get that the outcomes are predetermined. Oh, okay. So you agree that it is scripted? Um, <laughs> they've so much has said so. It doesn't mean they're not athletes. No, no. I, I, I'm just trying to be funny and probably failing miserably here. You know, I, I get, I get that it's scripted. I mean, at the end of the day, yes, you are failing. Um, <laughs> pro pro wrestling is a work, right? Yep. And. It is an entertainment product, though um, I don't think either one of us would deny that the athleticism is very real. Right. That's not the real that I'm talking about. Okay. The real I'm talking about is, you know, like some people, they'll, they'll watch like a romantic movie and it's this beautiful story. And the emotions that you feel or that, that they feel when they're watching these things, they're, they're very real. Their reaction, their attachments to the, the, the characters, how much they invest in the story. This is all very, very real stuff psychologically and emotionally. Right. Wrestling, for me, is exactly the same thing. I, I don't care that the outcomes are predetermined. I don't care if these guys are fall or these women, I guess as well, are following a script. It's all fucking irrelevant to me because the stories that are being told, you know, backstage, the stories that are being told in the ring, the uh, supposed uh, feuds, rivalries, Mm -hmm. the drama, the ups, the downs. I'm, you know, I, I'm I'm there with them for for the ride. I mean, this shit it it actually resonates with me. Right. You know, I don't react really so much to certain types of entertainment. This is one type of entertainment that really does matter to me. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, this isn't so much like wanting to give everybody a glimpse inside 
my pathetic little life. <laughs> and, and like, I know like with you, like you're not as much of a wrestling fan now as you once were. Right. You know? During the attitude era. Yeah, back when wrestling was super duper cool. And WWF was real. WWF. WWF. WWE because we care about the puppies. Fucking bullshit. WWF. Yep. I can't say that enough. It actually just, it feels good. <laughs> but, um, I don't know. Maybe you just wanted to like spend a little bit of time, uh, not really boring people to death talking about our favorite matches or whatever. But, I mean, like, why do you got to... Like people bust the balls of wrestling fans fairly frequently. Like people that are not wrestling fans themselves, like, oh my god, like you know it's fake. It's like holy fuck. When you tell me you enjoyed Star Wars, though, I, it's my first reaction is like, well, you know that's all like fucking computer generated animation, right? You know that there it's was just a, a movie. They're just actors, you idiot. Wookies aren't real. Like fuck you. <laughs> it's not a thing. So it's like your shittiness is real, mm-hmm. and you're okay with that. But my enjoyment of the product, like, that's not allowed to be real. That makes me an asshole. Fuck you. Right. Yep. So, I don't know. I I, I guess maybe I just want to, like, offer some sort of validation or vindication for wrestling fans everywhere. Like, you know. And for the wrestlers. Yeah, no shit. Like, they work damn fucking hard. And they risk their fucking asses. Yeah. You you think a guy's, like. You think Stone Cold's broken neck was fake? Owen Hart. Yep. Yeah. Owen Hart's really dead. Yeah. Owen Hart really really fell. Darren Drozdov, fucking yep. paralyzed as fuck. Yep. Like, the list goes on and on. I mean, these people, like, they literally put their lives on the line to entertain us, and your fucking reaction is, you know, it's fake, right? Mm-hmm. Fuck you. Yeah, let's see how much you say from a fucking hospital bed because you just got body slammed through a table. You know, and even the people that don't end up getting retired early because of injuries, I mean, like, like what kind of life do they have after retirement? Well, what kind of life is, is Undertaker going to have? Look at Mick Foley. Mm-hmm. Mick Foley, fucking, he can't, fuck, well, his kids are grown now, but I mean, when they were younger, he couldn't bend over to pick them up. Nope. You know, like. No, he's gotten himself in a lot better shape now and taking yeah, care thanks of to, Yeah, such, DDP but, yoga. Yeah. Well, there's a plug for something that we'll never see a royalty for, but I mean, fuck, like. Diamond Dallas Page is the shit. Yeah. I fucking love that man. Fucking diamond cutter. Uh-huh. <laughs> Well, his his whole life philosophy. No, he's a fucking awesome guy. But that's a different show. <laughs> oh, that that yeah, that is a different show. Or maybe it's part of this one. There's plenty yep. of rabbit trails. I don't have any clear direction. I never do. So fuck it. Let's just have fucking ADHD together. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay. So I'm going to tell you then. Here's a ADHD. <laughs> this is the off ramp. I can still see you. Oh, he's gone. <laughs> <laughs> that was my mind, people. Um, my favorite time was the DX invasion when they went to the the WCW. Now, as you explained to me earlier, because we did have a bit of a conversation about this earlier, but I thought that matches were actually happening when they were doing it. Mm -hmm. I have since learned that it wasn't. And for years, I don't know why, but I thought Triple H was in the mix, or uh, uh, Shawn Michaels was there. But he wasn't. It was badass. It was... um, China, X Pac, Triple H, and 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 Mr. Road Dog and Road Dog, yeah, and I don't know why, but in my head, because I always remember seeing Shawn Michaels come out and he had the the fucking he did the pose down when yeah. DX came out and everything else. I always thought he was part of it, and now that I learned, because that that was one of my favorite moments in wrestling, mm-hmm. but now that I realize he wasn't, it, it's like, oh, really. 
Fuck. <laughs> it's almost like I'm let down. <laughs> well, we're talking, what, like 22 years after the fact that the disappointment is real? Mm-hmm. Yep. And I had this whole thing built up in my head that it was all of them, and yeah. But yeah, I mean, like, really, I mean, all of that, to keep coming back to this, I mean, there are so many layers to this onion of real mm-hmm. when it comes to, to And wrestling. even Triple H was still a man back then. <laughs> Poor Trip. Will he never win? <laughs> yeah. Well, he'll win as soon as his wife gives him her purse to take his balls out of, but yeah. Oh, God, I love Stephanie McMahon. Yes. See, and what I feel when I'm looking at the screen when she comes out, I tell you, the erection is real. Yep. The feelings are real. <laughs> <laughs> I got the feels. <laughs> I'd like to feel her. Oh, my God. Mm. Okay. I'm back. Yeah. Welcome. But yeah, like. Um, so, what was your favorite time? You're, if you had to pick one moment in wrestling history, whether it is TNA, WCW, or WWF, what is your favorite moment out of those three big names of the, of your past? My favorite moment? Oh, fuck. That would have to be the Rock versus Hogan match. Oh my so, gosh. Yeah, it was sort of like the, the passing of the torch, like the changing of the guard. The first one or the last one? The first one. Yep. Just because it was like my, at the time, biggest hero standing up against the biggest hero of my childhood. Mm-hmm. I was so fucking torn because I loved Hulk Hogan and I loved The Rock and holy fuck. Like, I got goosebumps right now. Right. That's real, you fucking pricks. <laughs> but yeah, that that was like absolutely my favorite moment. Very cool. So was there was there a moment in that match when when you lost one or the other? Or? Honestly, no. I I knew I was going to be devastated and thrilled with the outcome at the same time, regardless of how it ended. Win, lose, draw. Whoever won, you were going to have those feelings anyways. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there was, it it was just a, a, I don't even know if technically the match was very good. I don't remember that. Mm -hmm. The moment from that match that I remember is when Rock and Hogan, after their entrances were done, they were standing in the middle of the ring and they were like, staring each other down, but you could see there was a lot of respect between the two. Right. Hogan slowly started turning his head one direction. Rock started turning his head slowly the other direction. They were scanning the crowd. The crowd was lit. I'm getting fucking goosebumps. Up. I remember this. And they hadn't even thrown down yet. Mm-hmm. And like, holy fuck. Like, I know it's kind of cliche now to say, well, the atmosphere was electric. I wasn't even fucking in the building there. I'm watching the goddamn thing on pay-per-view in the famous players theater in Richmond, British Columbia. Mm-hmm. And every fucking hair on my body stood up. It stands up now as I'm talking about, like that was a fucking moment and a half. That was a light that lit the world, dude. Absolutely. It was holy fuck. So, you know, like I, I guess to sort of like try to like pretend that there's some semblance of like substance to like what I was saying when I was saying wrestling is real. I mean, like you think of all the shit that comes out of it, all the positives, right? I mean, like you and me, we, we talk about wrestling from the past fairly frequently. We've yep. got these fucking memories. Like 
how much of our relationship over the years um, was made possible because of like this shared interest, Mm -hmm. you know, like me getting to know your kids. I think that was like one of the first things it's like, wow, these kids are fucking awesome. These like little kids and they're like right into wrestling and they (laughs) want to like try these moves on me. And it's like, it was something that like spanned all the generations. We, we all had this one thing in common, which is that fucking Monday night raw was the shit motherfucker. Yep. Absolutely. You know, it's something I share with my kids. I, I used to watch, uh, when I was a kid, I used to watch wrestling with, with my dad. Like we lived in Calgary, Alberta. We used to watch stampede wrestling, the, the, the whole heart family back in the day, leap and Lanny. Oh shit. Puffo. Yep. Yeah. Like, which, or even when you and I were sitting on the couch, what, four months ago? And we I told you about that time Rod, Roddy Piper hung himself and you didn't, you never knew about it. And I showed it to you. Yeah, it's like, just like... The memories that come back from all that shit. Yeah, I know. It's like, you know, especially for people like us that lead like pretty, like, I don't know. I, I guess it wouldn't be fair to say that we lead boring lives. But I mean, my life is my life, right? If I think about it, I can't see the excitement or the drama in it. If I'm going to mm-hmm. tell a story about me, I mean, it really lacks the punch of me telling a story of something fucking cool that I saw, mm-hmm. right? It gives like us normal people something exciting to like latch <laughs> onto. And it's like, um, you know, back in the day, like uh, you and, and, and your daughter, you know, you guys loved John Cena mm-hmm. and I was a big time Miz fan. Right. And when Cena and Miz were facing off for the championship, like there was something that caused some divisions between us. Mm-hmm. But even then it's like, okay, we're both rooting for our guy. Right. Well, it was me and my daughter and you and my son. Yeah. Yep. And it's like, you know, when your guy wins, you win with him. When your guy loses, you lose with him. Right. You know, like you're, you're there every fucking step of the way. It fucking matters. And maybe the outcome is predetermined, but you don't know what the fuck it is. That's right. And that's what makes the excitement so real. And like, you know, one of the, one of the ways in which like you and I part ways is, whereas like, I, I think you like your violence kind of real. I don't really <laughs> like violence per se but i still got like, I like that. my violence up close and personal yeah and for for me like if i'm gonna watch boxing or mma or like anything where people are like having quote unquote real fights mm-hmm. i have trouble with the entertainment value in it i don't enjoy like watching people like literally beat the fuck out of yeah, each but other mine is partaking yeah but like <laughs> there's still that part of me. I I like to see people like resolving their conflicts by throwing down. I also like to think that these people are both going to go and probably tip a beer together because it's all fucking scripted, wherever the case may be. Mm -hmm. I can get that shit out of my system in a a way where like nobody's like intentionally getting injured. Nope. Like I'm not like sitting there thinking, well, it's good to see this guy's eyes getting beaten until they can't fucking open for the next six months. (laughs) Fucking detached retina. Take that motherfucker. That's fucking cool. Sorry. Because the thing is like, the, the part I don't get is like, even though like it's legitimate athletic competition, there's for right. me, there's no real backstory. There's nothing that's like sucked me in where I actually give a fuck, mm-hmm. you know, whereas if I'm watching wrestling, it's like, maybe we've been told what we should think and feel and believe. But like, we feel like there's legitimate heat between these people. We want to see it resolved. We're tired of seeing uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin getting fucked over by his boss, Vince McMahon. And when Stone Cold finally turns and knocks his boss the fuck out, you mean to tell me that like 
You've never had a boss who you wanted to fucking knock out? Anybody who has red blood cursing through their veins can identify with that moment. Fucking Stone Cold did it for all of us. Yep. He okay. fucking did. Yeah. That was fucking real to me. Mm-hmm. And maybe I wasn't going to go and hit my boss with a Stone Cold Stunner, but I sure as fuck knew it was an option after that day. <laughs> <laughs> well, I remember I told you about that time back in the 80s. They had a... Roddy Piper and Ric Flair had a match at Maple Leaf Gardens. Mm-hmm. And there's a tavern out front of Maple Leaf Gardens, which is now not Maple Leaf Gardens. They actually changed the fucking name. But it was called The Maples. Okay. And I went in there with some money I had panhandled of, went in to get something to eat, and there's fucking Ric Flair and Roddy Piper sitting in the fucking tavern having a beer together. Holy shit. It was fucking incredible. I got to talk to them. They weren't standoffish. They weren't ignorant. Mind you, there wasn't a whole crowd of people there. It was just me. And I went, you know, yeah, and I they made were a just a couple of guys bathroom. having a beer, right? Yep. And I showed my admiration and I thanked them for all they do. And I talked to Rod, Hot Rod about fucking, oh, I remember when I saw you hang yourself, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> you know, it was for me, it was a shining moment. Yeah. In. In at that time, what otherwise was a fucking absolutely horrific, pitiful fucking living. <laughs> it was my shining star. And that's my story. And I, that's my go to, you know, what was the shining moment of you meeting a celebrity? You know, my kids ask me, and I, that's the story I go on about because in the ring, they were killing each other. Mm-hmm. Outside the ring, they were laughing at all us assholes that believed it. <laughs> <laughs> Holy fuck. Yeah. That, that story just reminded me. It's not like the same kind of background, but. When I was a kid, um, one of the amusement parks close to where we lived, they had this thing where it was like meet a, a, a I think it was like a meet, meet a WWF wrestler or meet a pro wrestler or something like that. Mm-hmm. And oh, like I, an autograph signing kind of thing? I guess. Yeah. So we go to this amusement park and we're expecting to see Andre the Giant. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't like he was sitting at a table signing fucking eight by 10 glossies or whatever. He was, I guess, just wandering around and schmoozing the crowd, doing whatever the fuck it was that. Yeah. When they were cool, when they were allowed to do that shit. And my dad, I mean, he sort of had a bit of a rough past. He liked to do the bare knuckles boxing. He was a very, very uh, fast with his hands, tough motherfucker who Mm -hmm. liked to to fight. And, um, he was explained to us kids, like, you know, how fake wrestling was and how, you know, when you see these guys on TV, they look a lot bigger, but it's all camera angles and the guy's not seven feet tall and blah, 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 basically talking a whole load of shit. Yep. And he's in the middle of this. And my sister and I are just like frozen in awe. And he thought that we're hanging on his stories or that he'd somehow like fucked up our, our Santa Claus fantasy or, or whatever. We didn't realize the reason that we were reacting that way is because Andre the Giant was standing directly behind my dad as he's in the middle of all this shit. <laughs> Andre, being the fucking gentle giant that he was, didn't say anything. He just kept inching closer till his belt buckle was in the back of my dad's neck. Old man turned around and he's staring. Granted, Andre fucking wore his, ha- his pants pretty high, right? Mm-hmm. My dad turns around, he's staring at Andre's belt buckle, and then I see him look up. And this man that had always looked so huge to me, my dad, he looked like a scared little fucking bitch. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) That was real. You know what that also proves? What's that? Though they're athletes, and, and a lot of the drama that is there is real, the people behind it, do it for our entertainment. They break themselves. They hurt themselves. They break their fucking necks. Literally, not figuratively. Yeah. 
for our entertainment. Mm-hmm. So, in, in, and granted, this is just my opinion, but for anybody to shit on somebody who does that, like John Cena, what he does for Make-A-Wish Foundation, what the whole WWF does for Make-A-Wish Foundation, and I am saying WWF because the only reason they changed their mind, their name was because of that stupid lawsuit that the fucking Wildlife Foundation put on them. So, WWF is still alive and kicking in my heart. Fucking Cena, he's granted more Make-A-Wish Foundation wishes than any other celebrity. Yeah. Like John or hate John, fucking respect him. He gives a shit. And like wrestling or not, respect the fact of what they do for human be for humanity. Like there isn't a country in the world that does not watch wrestling. Yeah, and, and just a side note to what you're saying there. Uh-huh. When these uh, wrestling celebrities go and do things like Make a Wish, mm-hmm. they're not getting paid to be there. No, it's a choice. Their employer isn't getting paid for their exposure. They're doing it because they want to give back. Yep. So. Stew on that. The fucking charity is real. Yep. The human beings are real. Yeah. And the effort they put out to make us happy and make us enjoyment and give us these amazing memories all through even now today's people's childhood. And I'm not familiar with who the wrestlers are these days, but even the people that are doing it these days are doing the exact same thing Mm -hmm. in a different way that, that all the fucking Ric Flair's and, and Roddy Piper's did back in the day for us. So, in 20 years, these people are going to be their heroes like these guys are to us. So just remember that when you're thinking about, oh, fucking wrestling's fake. Oh, wrestling's this. Yeah, so what? It's fun. And they do it for us because they want to bring joy. You know, the first thing I took from wrestling when I was a little kid? What's that? From the Hulkster. Say your prayers. Eat your vitamins. Drink your milk. Listen to mom and dad. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know? And... F- I, I don't know. Maybe I take it a little bit more personally than I should. I, I, I get really, really annoyed when I hear people shitting on the fact that I like wrestling. Because when I like wrestling, I mean, anybody who's still listening to, <laughs> still listening to us at this point, I mean, the, the one thing that should be coming through loud and clear is it, it fucking matters to us for a lot of different reasons. We don't mm-hmm. have to go into every single one of them. That's right. But holy fuck, have a little bit of respect. You know, we're not some fucking idiots who are hanging onto a fantasy of like, oh my God, it's all real. We know it's fucking not real. Mm-hmm. But to call it fake and walk away from it and dismiss it just like that. And, and, you know, there's a world of real that you're missing when you dismiss it like that. Yep. Absolutely. And this doesn't just apply to wrestling. This applies to anything else. You know, try to see what the other person's seeing. Mm-hmm. Look at the whole big picture. There's obviously details you're missing. It may not be your cup of tea. It doesn't mean that it's a bad cup of tea. That's right. And and just to close out, from everybody, from Owen Hart to Leaping Lenny Poffo to Chris Benoit to everybody who's alive today, from Shawn Michaels to fucking Undertaker and everybody else out there that's out there doing that. If by any chance one of you is happening to hear this, Christian and Edge, everybody out there, Lita, Trish Stratus, I'm trying to remember everybody that I know I can't go on and on and on because everybody will get bored. But the truth is, all of you people out there today, yesterday, 50 years ago, thank you very much for all the entertainment you brought us because you guys really are phenomenal. Yeah, thank you for the bottom of my heart. Absolutely. If e- I had one, I'd even as a grown ass man, like they're they're still my heroes. Yep. Absolutely. I actually wanted to talk about 
our society allowing people through drama and bullshit to take people's pride, people's self-worth. But how, you know, people these days don't have any backbone. They, it's hard for them to speak up for themselves. And, and I'm trying, and I've been looking through data and, and doing research online and, and trying to understand, rereading books I've read before and trying to understand when we fell off the cliff. When everybody stopped having a backbone and and saying, you know, this is my self-worth and this is what I'm worth. And always um, pushing blame, I guess, instead of, instead of self-resolution. Blaming, this is your fault, this is your fault, this is your fault. Do you think this is in some way a byproduct of PC culture? You know, where it's a case that we're taught to prioritize... Um, of avoiding giving offense, almost being apologetic for our words rather than prioritizing benefit of self or clear communication. Oh, I definitely think it has something to do with it. It's, it's, it is at least a contributing factor. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. But even, even with that being a contributing factor, there has to be something else that's lending to this as well. Cause that one alone, I don't think would change everything as drastically as it has over the last 15 years. No, if I'm going to look at the symptoms, I couldn't possibly trace them all back to that source. Right. There has to be something, I don't know, in the way people have been parenting in the millennium, millennia age. I don't know. Like with the new millennials and everything else, it's... Like through, through your research, did you come across anybody else's opinions on what might be causal factors for this? Well, I came through, you know, it's it's... Um, financial, it is, you know, because the poverty level has grown. But, and, and I don't agree with, I don't disagree with those, but those are also factors of not causes because. Like, if people's self-worth goes down, then they'll work for less because they don't feel like they're worth that much. Therefore, they'll take that dollar less or whatever. You know what I mean? Well, I guess if you're feeling a little bit more, like, hopeless or overwhelmed than... You're not really going to like stand up for yourself because, oh, you know, I guess I'm just getting what, what's expected or I'm getting what I deserve. I'm getting what I'm worth. Right. There's no, but I, but I couldn't pigeonhole it to anything. So I would like to talk about, you know, what do you think? What do I think? And, and see if we can at least come to some kind of totality. Well, you know, I hear like a lot of the like the younger people, I guess younger from our perspective, you know, like I I'd say like the 30 and under crowd. Mm-hmm. The the general sentiment for the most part seems to be that like people just like, you know, oh, I'm never going to own a house. I'm never going to live the kind of, you know, comfortable middle-class life that my parents and grandparents did. You know, what's the point in really trying? Education's expensive. You know, basically all the odds are stacked against me. You know, what the hell is the point in trying? Right. And for the longest time I was thinking, you know what? Like I I I've had a bit of a taste of that. I mean, it is a lot more difficult maybe for us from our perspective than Maybe it might have been for our parents or grandparents, mm-hmm. but um, I, I sort of got to like changing my way of thinking, you know, because whereas originally I was, I was of the the mind that okay, well, yeah, it's like it's unlikely that you're going to be able to save enough to buy a house, unlikely that you're going to put money in the bank, unlikely you're going to take that family vacation and have a family with like three to five kids or whatever the fuck, right? right. 
But then um, one of the jobs that I'm working on right now, we had our, our hardwood flooring installer come in and he immigrated from Poland 10 years ago. So what he was saying, he showed up with his snowboard and the clothes on his back. It was basically like a ski vacation he showed up for. Mm-hmm. Decided he liked the area and he figured he'd stick around and give things a go. So, you know, now 10 years later, you know, he owns a house. He's got a nice vehicle. He's got a motorcycle. He's got an ATV. He's got two kids. He's got a wife. He's got money in the bank and he's busy. And, and I asked him, I said, like, well, how is it that you've succeeded in an environment where so many people feel like success is out of reach? And he said, I'm willing to make the sacrifices that they're not. He says, I work long days. He says, I bust my ass. I'm not willing to settle for less. He says, like, I come from an environment where hopelessness is a real thing. He says, here, the hopelessness is imagined. He says, the problem is people are just fucking lazy and they spend too much time thinking about their feelings instead of just working. He said, if you're working hard, you don't have time for all this emotional shit. Mm Mm-hmm. And granted, that's just one example. I don't know how meaningful that is, but it, it, at the very least, for me, it was food for thought. Mm-hmm. And to everybody's opinion, there's some validity. You know, it's not it's not just a pie in the sky. I think this, therefore, it's I think this because I'm fucking doing it. So I think that puts the validity in his opinion. Yeah, because I guess it's not like a philosophical argument. He's actually speaking from real life uh, experience. Right. I'm doing this. That's how I know. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it sort of got me to thinking that, like, I, I don't know how this exactly ties into, like, the, the, the question you're asking, but maybe it is just a case of we've, because we've learned so much about how the human mind works mm-hmm. and we, we have been taught, if not from our parents and certainly through the media and through school and, you know, talking to just people at large, that our feelings are valid, that um, we should be heard, that, you know, happiness is something that you negotiate philosophically, not something that you work your ass off to earn. Right. You know, and maybe we do spend too much time thinking about stuff instead of doing about stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, like I, I think back to like what my, my my grandmother used to say. I mean, she was from the old country. She was from, from Russia. Mm-hmm. So I guess another Eastern European perspective. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I, I used to say to her, I was like, you know, Oma, like, what do you do when you wake up in the morning and you don't feel like doing anything? She says, you work. I said, well, what if like, you know, you're sore and tired and it just, you just can't get it together. She's like, you work. Mm -hmm. Her answer to everything was you work because what she remembered when she was a young girl, like you didn't have like, um, the women weren't complaining about PMS. They weren't like, you know, sitting there with a fucking hot water bottle because of cramps. It wasn't acceptable. Right. It's not that they didn't have these aches and pains. It's not like they didn't have issues, but shit still needed to get done or people didn't fucking eat. Everybody had their roles, their responsibilities, whatever they were. So people were focused on survival. They were focused on promoting the well-being of the household. Whereas now I think the, I think it's a, a basic shift in focus maybe. 
Whereas instead of like worrying about the well-beings of the people with whom we share a roof, we're worried about how can I be happy today? Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe the happiness is a byproduct of just doing what needs to be done. It's not something that you that that happens and then once you're happy then you're like empowered to go do this shit maybe you need to do your shit and worry about the happy later i don't know well one one of the things i did see was there was these two people they were talking and the guy just came right out and said the problem is people of today are not taught how to work they get up in the morning they think that oh i've got an idea I'm going to build an app. Therefore, I've got a business. Well, an app isn't a business. It's a construct. Mm-hmm. Therefore, you make a construct, you put it out there, people buy it, good. That's not the business. What comes after that and the work you put into growing that is the business. Right. But these days, people think, oh, I did that, therefore I'm done. They're so not make, taught. Make, make my thing and wait for the check to roll in? They're not, yeah. They're not taught a work ethic. They're taught... They're talk, taught. <laughs> <laughs> They're taught instant gratification. If I build this, you have to give me this. I'm done. Not if I build this, and you give me that. If there's something wrong, I still have to fix it. No, no. I built it. I was paid to build it, not fix it. My job end when you paid me. Which, it's a lazy generation. You know what? I think that's all it is. It's just like a general, lazy, shitty approach to life. And if everybody's lazy, then everybody has time to contemplate, well, what are my feelings? It's not fair. If it was fair, I'd be succeeding. Right. No, because it's true. I guess you see these like people, it's like, well, I got a college education, but nobody will hire me. Well, like, what are you doing to get hired, asshole? Are you sitting on a beanbag chair in Google? Because that, that's one thing that like... I've learned about me is like, I don't care if two and five people are unemployed. I'm always one of the ones that's working. And the only difference between me and somebody else is yeah. Ambition. I don't have the option of not earning. Right. And one way or another, I will find a way to earn. Mm -hmm. Even if it's outside of the box, even if it's doing something shitty, I'll always fucking do it. I mean, both my parents were immigrants. My grandparents, I mean, Eastern European. I mean, like, that's the shit I grew up on. You know, there's no time to sit there and fucking whine about it. Mm-hmm. Like, really, okay, I get that you feel that way. What are you going to do about it? Yep. So, I don't know. Maybe uh, the solution is give everybody uh, an adopted Eastern European parent or grandparent. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, maybe maybe young people have to be retaught. Or not retaught because they were never knew it in the first place. But get off your ass and just do it. Bust out a college education, even though you got a college education. Go work on a green chain. Find out what real fucking work is like, and then when you're out doing the other shit, you're gonna be thankful that fucking you're not breaking your knuckles because you're turning a wrench or you're fucking lifting up a three hundred pound fucking board to move to a fucking chop saw. No, you know it's kind of funny because I was uh, one of the things I was I was asking the the flooring guys like you know you obviously have friends who are canadian or american or whatever that like you know live in our society mm-hmm. that have the same shitty attitude is like what's their take on you and he said it's actually kind of funny because <laughs> one of one of his friends had asked him you know like 
how is it that you able you're able to find the energy to do all this shit and like the rest of us get tired by the end of the day? He says, I know what it's like to go to bed hungry. And yep. you know, you and I, we know what it's like to go to bed hungry. Yep. And Those maybe that's why we see the world a little differently than a lot of these other fuck faces. Yeah. But we're also older than these fuck faces. Yeah. <laughs> Times were still different when we were young. Yeah, I guess we're sort of like that transitional generation. Like well, and, and they thought cognitive thought, too. They, or they taught cognitive thought. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. My lips have a built-in faux pas today. So, yeah, I don't know. Food for thought for everybody. You know, if you've got any feedback on this or anything else we've talked about, feel free to drop us a line or send us a tweet or find us on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Or um, uh, Actually, I'll put it this far. If you have a valid opinion, put it out there. <laughs> I, I don't mind, like, the invalid opinions because we just tear them to shreds. Well, they, they, I, actually, you know what? Like, It makes they, them think if, okay, what I'm going to say, think before you speak. That's why I said that. Is this valid? Think before you speak or we will mock you. Yeah. Wants to make a per episode donation? Visit www.patreon.com slash missionary So did you get a chance to have a look at that article I sent you about the, was it common sayings that mean the opposite of what you think or something? Uh, um, yeah, I had a minute to look at it, uh-huh. but I didn't want to read into it. I personally want to take this like as they are. Here it is. And if I'm wrong about what it means anyways, that'll be more realistic for me. Okay. Well, at least yeah. you've got a, a good excuse for not preparing for the segment because like <laughs> I've glanced at this thing and I haven't the faintest fucking clue what all it says. Okay. Well, actually, this is good because then everything's going to be authentic. Okay. Awesome. Okay, people, so here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Buckle up, motherfuckers. <laughs> and if you don't have a seatbelt, well, then you should buy something newer than 1945. All right. <laughs> so, well, what it says here is, Proverbs are intended to teach people wisdom and make those spewing the prover- proverb look wiser. Some are really helpful and make you think, hmm, that makes sense. And others, not so much. We often think of Proverbs as ancient advice from our forefathers, but interesting, interestingly, a lot of the ones that are in use today have been changed so much over the years that sometimes they mean the opposite of their originally intended message, and sometimes they just don't make any fucking sense. Hmm. Well, they didn't say fucking I did. <laughs> Anyways. Well, that way it's not copyright infringement. There we go. I changed three words. Um, (laughs) Here are six most common proverbs that have been handed down to us that we use completely the wrong way. This should be fun. Okay, so Carpadium. You take Carpadium. (laughs) (laughs) If you punch Carpadium into Instagram search engine, you'll be bombarded with pictures of people seizing the opportunity to make the most of their day. The translation of this saying is only somewhat accurate, as the phrase continues to carpe diem qua minimum credula postero, which means pluck the day, trusting as little as possible in the future. Oh, so live for today. Interestingly, the original purpose of this proverb was not to seize the day and ignore the future, but to seize the day and prepare for the future. Blah, 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 don't care. Uh, 
The phrase Carpe Diem was made popular in modern times by the blockbuster movie Dead Poet Society, which inspired every high school student to use the phrase as their graduation motto. Today, it's still incorrectly used as a battle cry of living life to the fullest to hell with the future. Hmm. That's interesting. I didn't actually know that. It was uh, like what the original use was. I yeah, learned something. Personally, I didn't even know it had anything to do with the future. I just thought it says like seize today. And in my head, it was seize the day, period. Yeah, that's what I'd always thought. Huh. Hmm. Turns out we didn't know everything before, but now we do. <laughs> All right, number two. Are you done? Oh, I'm done. Okay, well, actually, it didn't really matter. I was going on with number two anyways. <laughs> Money is the root of all evil. <laughs> this proverb, as adapted in modern times, warns that all of the evil and misfortune in the world are caused by money. However, this translation is only halfway correct, as it was misquoted from the Bible. Oh, surprise! <laughs> It should more accurately read, the love of money is the root of all evil. It may sound like a small difference, but read it closely. It means that money itself is not the cause of the problems, but instead how people love money. Yeah, that makes a lot more fucking sense, doesn't it? Absolutely it does. Attaining and keeping your wealth is considered morally fine, and there is nothing morally wrong with money. The proverb warns that when we love our money, it overtakes us and causes us to do immoral and wrong things. That's when it becomes a problem, which makes total sense. If you put money above everything else, your kids starve, you get drinking problems, you get gambling problems, on and on and on. This puts me in an awkward position where I'm forced to agree with the Bible on this one. <laughs> oh, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> Christian-y. <laughs> Oh, God. Children should be seen and not heard. Okay, that's absolutely correct. I don't think they should be seen or heard. <laughs> fucking nasty little fucking shit people. Fucking Harry Potter fucker. <laughs> Anyways. Most everyone is familiar with this proverb that instructs children to keep quiet and behave. The original proverb was actually a maid should be seen but not heard. A maid referred in this context to a young woman and instructed that they that they were the individuals who could keep company with others, but that their voices should be silenced while doing so. The proverb was first known to be recorded in the 15th century by Augustinian clergyman John Merck. It was written in his collection of sermons and was known as a saw or saying. It's believed that some confusion over the term Maidy, which I guess means maid, may have contributed to the change in the saying. A maiden today is believed to be a young unmarried woman way back when the term could have meant any woman, married or otherwise, and also could have referred to children. So kids, you're off the hook. Women, shut the fuck up. <laughs> you guys are fighting for equal rights. See, it says it right here. Spoiler alert, right. I outweigh you and can knock you the fuck out. <laughs> Yeah, Joe Rogan said that. <laughs> <laughs> Truth is, I'm old and crippled. My wife could probably fucking take me out, no problem. <laughs> well, that's because she's I love her with your knee, so all she has to do is like one good swing and your knee's fucked. She doesn't listen to this show, so she can't get pissed off, can she? Nope. Good. She don't know, won't hurt you. <laughs> <laughs> the next one is The Devils in the Details. I like Devils. 
<laughs> yeah, especially she's got like a cute little tail on, skin tight. Mm. Well, Halloween's coming up. We're gonna see a lot of dirty little spandexy devils, aren't we? Uh huh. Anyway, oh, tight costumes and hard. The nipples. devils in the details. No, it's not. The devils in spandex. Um. Anyways, today's version of this fr- proverb cautions to be careful of mistakes that can be made in the details of a project, threatening its success. However, the originally. The Did you original- say however? Did I? Yeah. Oops. <laughs> wow. Welcome Hooked on Ebonics. Ebonics. <laughs> yeah, I got the Ebonic plague. Oh. <laughs> All right. I'll try that again. And I'm leaving it in. <sighs> However. So you're a rapist and a murderer and a drug dealer now. <laughs> you didn't know? <laughs> All right. <laughs> leaving a trail of fatherless children behind you. With their entrails leaving like little pathways. Anyways. Um, That's so however. racist. <laughs> no, it's not. I'm white. <laughs> um, anyways. Oh. Oh, <laughs> oh fuck. However, the originally intended message didn't name the devil, but instead named God, and went like this, God is in the details. This message was a positive one and instructed that in paying attention to the smaller details, one could be greatly rewarded. With a finger in his ass? No one, no holes in his hands. Remember? <laughs> um, <laughs> no one no one knows who invented this proverb, but it was often used, not surprisingly, by the artist Michelangelo. German-born architect Ludwig Mies, Candero, and art historian Abby Warbug. An earlier version of the proverb read, The good God is in the details, and was attributed to French novelist Gustave Flaubert. As usual, the fucking French are underneath something shitty. God damn it. Curiosity killed the cat. One of the most famous and used proverbs. Curiosity killed the cat. Warms. Warms? Warns all to take care not to be too curious because bad things can happen. This modern-day catchy proverb didn't start off like this, but slowly morphed into a different meaning as centuries passed. The earlier phrase was actually, care killed the cat. The phrase didn't mean the literal caring of the cat, but actually meant the word care to mean worry or sorrow. The proverb was first coined and used in 1598 in the play Every Man Has His Humor. Every man in his humor. In 1898, the proverb lived on in Brewer's Dictionary of Phrase and Fable with, quote, It is said that a cat has nine lives, yet care would wear them all out. Twenty-five years later, by 1922, the phrase had taken on a different form altogether in Eugene O'Neill's play, Different, and that's the form we're used to hearing today. That goes with my, however, (laughs) different. (laughs) I, too, am hooked on Ebonics and have the Ebonic Plague. (laughs) 
It's just fun to say. Because, like, you know you're pissing off fucking everybody. Mm-hmm. And justifiably so. Yep. Is that anything like Ebola? <laughs> Nigola? No, Ebola. Negrola? Like, I got an Ebola cornflakes here. Um, <laughs> oh, sorry. Those aren't cornflakes. I just misplaced my scab collection. Oh, Jesus <laughs> Christ. <laughs> Better when they no, are those frosted flakes? <laughs> <laughs> Yucky. And I won't tell you what the frosting is. Please don't. All right. <clears throat> well, what I will tell you is it, it begins with M, ends with M, and has an O in the middle. Uh, oh. <laughs> All right. So the last but not least, speak of the devil. You've met my ex-wife? Yeah, she's one of my best friends. Um, <laughs> Mine too. Anyways, speak of the devil. Another common phrase. It's my passing praise. Sorry. <laughs> I had a moment, a moment there. You are terrible at that. <laughs> Another common phrase, and one that most of us have said at least once in our lives. Speak of the devil. Is used when a person shows up at the exact time that they're happy to be talked of. In today's version, the word devil implies nothing evil, however, its original intent was a little darker. The original proverb was, Speak of the devil and he shall appear, and originated around the 16th century. It is believed to have been first recorded in 19th, in, uh, 19, wow, in 1666 by Giovanni Toriano in Piazza Universale di Proverbi, Italia. <laughs> wow, I suck at Italian. You gotta say it like Mario. <laughs> it's a Mario. Piazza Universale di Proverbi, Italiana ass. How's that? That, that totes Italian, dude. You nailed it. Yeah. I'm so Italian, I got pizza coming up my ass. We're multicultural. Never mind. And racially sensitive. Peace was actually French, but yeah. Um, <laughs> I think it was French. Anyways. Gross. Gross to the French, not the pizza. <laughs> <laughs> the English say, talk of the devil and he's presently at your elbow. Pervert. What the hell's he doing at my elbow? That's Humping your elbow pit. What the fuck else would he be doing? Ew. No, this is not an armpit. And instructed that if you talked to the devil or named him, he would appear. This proverb, which looks a lot like superstition, believed that at the mention of the devil's name, one would experience, at best, bad luck. It slowly morphed over time from a warning of misfortune to a warning that included speaking about someone behind their back. So is that kind of like saying Beetlejuice? I guess so. Yeah. But I've done it and it doesn't work. Damn it. So what do you think of that? I think that I am guilty of misusing at least a few of these phrases. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. I also think that you're a gigantic racist. <laughs> <laughs> I am not. I'll run against anybody. <laughs> she was a girl from Birmingham. She just had an abortion. She was a case of So I was stuck in the doctor's office for a painfully long time this afternoon. That's why you were late? Yeah. Okay. So, 
because I was in the doctor's office, it got me thinking of like doctory things <laughs> and medical things. And I don't know what the fuck. Like you want to be a doctor? Well, I don't mind playing doctor. <laughs> <laughs> I started thinking about like a, a number of conversations I've had over the last couple of years. I mean, it, it's a conversation I've been having for most of my adult life would be like, you know, the quote unquote abortion debate. Mm-hmm. For most of my adult life, I found myself on the anti-choice side of things, and now I find myself on the opposite end of the spectrum. But, so pro-choice? Yeah, pro-choice. Okay. But I found, like, even amongst the um, the pro-choice crowd is actually a very diverse crowd as far as, like, where people land on their spectrum of, like, acceptable. When is an acceptable time? What's an acceptable time? How acceptable is abortion? Like, what's an acceptable circumstance? You know, there's a lot of stipulations that could be added to it. And I found myself in a bit of hot water on a number of occasions because I will just come out and say to people, I'm not just pro-choice. I am actually Mm pro-abortion. And um, it's the kind of thing that sort of takes people aback, right? You know, what's the difference? Pro-choice versus pro-abortion like i am so like pro-abortion like i don't give a fuck if you're bored on a fucking thursday afternoon and you're pregnant and you're within you know the medically safe uh time frame to do it and you just decide you know just like hook the little fucker out <laughs> i don't give a shit if you're not getting in the way of somebody else who needs like medical attention like you're not distracting the doctor from like something else i don't care if it's an elective abortion it's really fucking irrelevant to me mm-hmm. But, I mean, like, that that's sort of, like, an ex- extreme asshole-ish, sort of, like, partially humorous way of, of looking at it. But, I mean, that underneath it all, I, I'm I'm pro-abortion in the same way that I'm, I'm pro-glasses. I'm pro-dental fillings. I'm pro-stitches. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I can't think of any other medical procedure that carries with it as much of a stigma as an abortion does. You know, like, how it's been demonized by the pro-life crowd and why and, and how the it, Christian crowd. yeah and how it's it's almost like it forces the the pro-choice people to almost like take an apologetic approach about things mm-hmm. right like well you know actually i can see your point but i don't think that abortion procedures should carry that fucking stigma right Really, I mean, like, none of the other things that I mentioned carry a stigma. I mean, these are all things where I guess if you're going to really get down to it, we are playing God in a sense. Because, you know, if God wanted me to have or wanted a a woman to have a baby, well, maybe God wanted you to have erectile dysfunction or he wanted you to have nearsightedness or he wanted your open wound to fucking gape instead of being stitched shut. You know, at some point you have to realize that Science has afforded us a lot of different things that make our lives better. And I th- I would personally place abortion in that bag of tricks. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to like just hog the conversation here. So I'll take a pause because it looks like your wheels are turning here a bit. Well, I'm, I'm also pro-choice, mm-hmm. but I'm not pro-abortion. I don't think somebody should get pregnant and have an abortion for, an ab- for the fact of having an abortion. For the fun of it. Right. If there is something wrong with your circumstance or something wrong physically, the, the, the truth is it's not my body. It's not for me to say, you know, they say, well, they argue, you know, and, and I have the hardest time when men do it because 
you know, there's there's a Ben Shapiro, a phenomenal speaker. I love the man to death. But the one thing we disagree on is is abortion. Right? Okay. He is anti-abortion, 100% anti-abortion, because he plays the argument, well, when is it life? In the third month when it has a brain signal? In the fourth month when it's developing fingernails? You know, well, the fact of the matter is, in my opinion, that baby is dependent on the mom. Until it's physically out of the mom, it is dependent on the mom to survive because that's how it eats. It is by definition a parasite. In my opinion, though I'm pro-choice, when the baby can viably be taken out of the mom and survive on its own, so if at, I don't know what the actual number is, but yeah. let's just say at week six, if you take it out, it'll die, and at week 30, it could live, okay? Mm-hmm. If you could physically remove that child from the body and it would live and be a functioning human being, in my opinion, then it's a life. Okay. But that's just my opinion. If a woman, if the law is a week before you're due, you want to have an abortion and the law says you can do it, it's not for me to say. If there is a God, let's pretend just for a second, okay? If there is a God out there and the God's, you know, oh, you're sinning, oh, this is that, that's happening... The reality is, if it let's just pretend for a second it's a sin to have an abortion at any time. Let's okay. just pretend. Okay? Who are you or I to say, you can't have an abortion, that's a sin? How is that person having an abortion going to affect you in heaven? How is that person having an abortion in any way going to affect society as a whole? The one person it affects is the mother, and the, or the two people it affects is the mother and the father. Okay, the, the, where, where you're going with this, I want to put you on pause there because that ties into a point that I want to make, okay. but I don't want that point to turn into a rabbit trail. I okay. think I know where you're going with this, and I want to give you a chance to unpack that fully. Okay. Um, I want to go back to like basically the, the first part of what you were saying, which is like talking about the um, alleged sin factor involved with the, the abortion. Right. Like that, that ties back into one of the reasons I jotted down for like why I'm like actively pro abortion. And, and I think it sort of addresses like what you were saying. Um, and it addresses the concerns of like, I would think like the pro life crowd too, which is ultimately, um, if you believe in the good Lord above and you believe he's in control of like everything that happens inside and out of a woman's body, he's performing abortions on a fairly regular basis inside of a normal female body, basically aborting potential pregnancies that would not uh, be viable. Right. Like the, the, I think we touched on this briefly on a previous episode mm-hmm. where the, the, the female's body will actually flush out this pregnancy because some basic biological trigger is said, look, this isn't going to turn into a healthy baby. So let's just nip this fucking thing in the bud. Or it doesn't properly adhere to the uterus wall or whatever. Yeah, there's just a, a, a lot of things but it, that that could be the reason why this pregnancy gets flushed out. But at the end of the day, it does get flushed out and it gets flushed out ultimately because of it's, it's an evolved mechanism to prevent basically garbage pregnancies. Right. Now, what science has done is allowed us to further analyze, and we're not just talking about like abortions for the case of like, oh, I just don't want to have a baby at this time in life. We're talking about like screening a pregnancy and saying, look, like this kid's going to have like some serious fucking problems or he's going to have uh, hereditary health issues 
or the pregnancy is almost certain to result in like a late term miscarriage or stillbirth or any number of things. Like we can screen out a lot of these things and just say, look, like this isn't the best pregnancy you could have. Let's just call a do over on this and we'll abort it. So we're not really like playing God. We're just sort of like taking God's system. We're taking God's objectives and we're just fine tuning them a little bit. To get back into your statement about how, like, ultimately having an abortion, like, doesn't affect anybody else, do do you want to expand on that a little bit now? People will argue and say, well, this person could have grown up and been another Einstein, or it could have grown up and been another Ben Shapiro or whoever, right? Or a big Hollywood actor could have been another Robbie Darner Jr., who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, but that's, that's the thing, who knows? People come at this with horns on their head, Christian horns on their heads, little, oh, you know, you're being evil, blah, 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 you're creating a sin, you're doing this, you're doing that. The biggest problem I have with religion is that when it comes to an abortion, if somebody's sinning, that's their sin to bear. It's not yours. Mm -hmm. It's not anybody else's. So why the fuck does it make a big difference? Oh, morality, you're killing a baby. And whose conscience does that have to live on? No, that's, I think that's fair. Let the person own it. See, like, I I think, like, the biggest thing is, like, if you want to get past this whole killing a baby thing, I think where you started off was, like, talking about, like, these what-if scenarios. Like, well, what if this was, like, the next fucking, I don't know, Richard Gere? What if this was the the guy who fucking cures cancer that that you aborted? Mm -hmm. I don't mind that what-if reasoning because it can be, thrown back in their face pretty easily and i think it could be thrown back in their face in a way that actually furthers our stance on being pro-choice which is like what if empowering a woman giving her complete control over her reproductive functions allowed her instead of being bogged down by unwanted pregnancy instead of turning her into a baby machine what if she didn't have to deal with these pregnancies. What if she could focus on her career and education? Instead of worrying about the people that might have been born, why don't we think about the opportunities that are being afforded the people that are already born? They're fully functional humans. Well, and, and like a pregnancy at the wrong time in life could sidetrack all of that. Like a teen pregnancy is a, a fine example of that. But I mean, it's not the only example of it. Yep. You know, and what we've seen in the in the developing world is that reproductive policy, like on a on a legislative level, where we say, okay, we're not going to legislate abortions out of the picture. We're not going to legislate away birth control of any kind. Mm-hmm. We're going to give people access to these options, these choices. Choices. Yes. What we've seen is that when we don't have families being bogged down with all this shit the reproductive policy necessarily translates into positive economic policy because now you have the best people having the best options to do the best job to build the best communities in the best ways mm-hmm. you yeah, know and you have the other end of the scale where people are forcing their teenagers well I, you we don't believe in abortions in this household therefore you're having the baby yeah, and what a fucking shitty thing you to do. You just condemn that, tri- that that child that's having a child to a life that they don't want. And and, and ultimately, I mean, this isn't a case of, like, I, I don't think it was what you were saying, like, well, this only affects the mother. 
but it sort of had it, it sort of sparked in my head the idea well actually this is the kind of thing that could potentially affect everybody in the community in a positive way <laughs> you know like i don't want to live in a community where like women are forced to bear children and where like even the child fathers right mm-hmm. get into like school school age kids i mean like kids are going to fuck because they're like developing they're feeling their hormones it's a natural function whatever and they're not mm-hmm. always careful because they always think it's not going to happen to them, but it does happen to them. Like, do you think sure. it's right to say to this child who's pregnant, you've got to carry this thing to completion, even though it's fucking physically dangerous to do so? You're going to well, tell the, the the boy child who's impregnated her, look, you got to drop out of fucking school and go work double shift at fucking Burger King because you got a baby to raise now. Like, that's well, not now, right. Now you're now you you've also got to look at this further because. So now you've forced a woman, let's just say a 25-year-old woman, okay, to have a baby. And her husband decides to stick around, okay, or her boyfriend decides to stick around. Mm -hmm. But she wants to have a career. So now you're forcing a man who agreed with the abortion and the daughter who agreed with the abortion, but because you don't have abortions in this household, well, now that woman's got a child and that man has a child, but that woman wants a career. So what's going to happen? They're going to fight. Well, why does your career come over mine? You're the woman that had the baby. No, the the ripple effect is fucking huge, right? Yeah, and and this, this this isn't something that like just fucks over women when you take away their options. This fucks over everybody. And well, then, and it also it also fucks it fucks over everybody because you're putting the well, you're I mean, putting if, the decision to have a baby, the one decision that could be an abortion, taken away from somebody. Now it's changing the decisions of the 50 people around them because that baby being born just compromised everybody in that family. Yeah. And and it's one of those things where like, it's not even a case of, okay, well like you're for abortions. Therefore you you must be like anti kid on some level. Cause I mean, sometimes these aren't people that are never going to reproduce, but timing is everything. Mm -hmm. Right. So like, Look, I'm like three years into a four-year degree and my girlfriend or my wife is pregnant, wherever the case may be. Like, this is not the time for us to be having a family. Like, you know, and and this isn't limited to people that are just like being careless. You can employ other methods of birth control. These these other methods are not 100% effective. They're, the way we employ them is not always effective. What mm-hmm. if you thought you took your pill, but you didn't? Right. What if the condom broke? What if a lot of fucking things? What if, what if, what if, what if? Yeah, you know, like, and that's why I think abortion should be part of that arsenal of options available as, as part of the family of birth control. Mm-hmm. You know, if for no other reason, just to control the timing. Which sort of leads me into like, you know. I, I want to clarify something before we move out of this specific part of it. Pro-choice, because a lot of people saying, oh, you agree with abortion. Pro-choice does not mean I agree or disagree with abortion. Pro-choice means we agree with a person's ability to choose. For themselves. For themselves. It I'm, not, mean, I'm not choosing for you. It doesn't mean I totally agree with abortion, and it doesn't mean I say, no, you can't have an abortion. I won't pussy out like that. I'm 100% for abortion. Right. But that's not pussying out. I, I just, I don't, I'm not anti-abortion. I'm not for abortion. Okay. Well, we part ways there, and that's fine, mm-hmm. right? Yep, absolutely. Um, You're absolutely allowed to be wrong. No, I'm not wrong, <laughs> and we both know it. I want to dive back into, like, just briefly into the morality concerns. 
Um, I, I think that issues of morale of morality should prioritize people that actually exist and are self-aware morality concerns should not prioritize something that might become a human that might become self-aware in the here and now in the today in the first trimester of the pregnancy whatever the fucking case may be that quote unquote baby is not self-aware it's not a person it doesn't have a fucking say and like if i'm going to start worrying about the morality of a situation i'm going to worry about the best interests of the mother that's where it ends with me i don't give mm-hmm. a fuck everybody else you know um say the uh potential father in the situation he's got feelings at stake and i'm not disregarding that the feelings are valid everybody's feelings are well, valid he's got more than feelings but this isn't this isn't this isn't the question of morality and even if it is a question of morality that's still like prioritizing actual people, not the fucking potential baby. We're talking about self-aware people with thoughts and dreams and a fucking life. Mm-hmm. That baby has, hasn't actually hasn't even become a baby yet. It's an embryo. It's a fetus or whatever. I see the value in fresh starts, do overs for people. Like maybe like, okay, maybe you have like, say for a moment, you have been careless. Mm-hmm. You've been just like fucking spreading your seed willy nilly. No protection has been used, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And maybe that pregnancy that results is a fucking hard reality check. I don't think that that should turn into a case of you made your bed. Now you got to fucking lie in it. I think it's a case of, okay, we fucked up bad and I'm glad there's an option available. And I've learned something here today, which is that pregnancy does happen. I got to be more on top of birth control. I got to be like more concerned with protection than with maintaining the mood. <laughs> like basically give people a chance to fucking call a mulligan and do it right moving forward. Like when you take abortion off the table, mm-hmm. you eliminate all of that. And I think that that's a problem. Another one of my reasons for being pro-abortion it, it empowers us to shape our, our, our futures with intent, right? Which I think it ties mostly back into like that whole idea of like timing is everything. But, you know, like maybe it's a case of, okay, well, I've got a 10-year plan and a surprise pregnancy doesn't really factor into that or maybe no pregnancy of any kind factors into my 10-year plan or even my, my lifetime plan. Maybe I never want to have a kid. Mm-hmm. We shouldn't be hooked on circumstance. There, there's enough variables in life. We don't need to um, fall victim to avoidable variables, in my well, opinion. Yeah, but it also depends. Like when, when it comes to variables, you also got to figure like, okay, where does pro-choice end and pro-choice begin? Like who who has the pro and 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 who has the choice? It's you know, I I very easily could have not been a dad. If I was pro-abortion and somebody decided to have an abortion and take the ability of me to be a dad away from me. Well, that, that might have been the case. It, it might not have. I, I don't. Right. Much. But no, but what I'm saying, though, is, is if a woman doesn't, if a woman decides that she wants to have an abortion. Mm-hmm. But the guy's dream is always to have been a dad. Well, find a woman that shares that dream, I would say. Well. But yeah, you, know, you, 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 you can't, you can't force a woman to, to carry a pregnancy that that's really, I think my, no, no, my hang I'm up not here. Saying, I'm not saying to force a woman, but what I'm saying is where does it, where does 
everybody's feelings come into effect. There has to be a point where everybody, yeah, there has to be a point where everybody's feelings come into effect. There has to be a point where it's not just affecting one life because there's also the person that put it in there and there's a person that's carrying it. No, and it's shitty because I've been in that position where I was with a woman. I very much wanted the pregnancy to follow through. Mm -hmm. She did not. And it really, really stung when she decided to go for it anyways. And it's not that she was necessarily like inconsiderate of my feelings, but at the end of the day, the the woman's the one who's got to make the choice. And whether we as men like it or not, that's really like a case of tough cookies for, for us. And I'm not saying it feels good and I'm not saying we have to be okay with it. I'm just saying we have really ultimately no say. We can say our piece and ultimately it's up to them what they want to do. Like us attempting to coerce them, we can give them the hard sell. We can do anything short of telling them they have to carry the pregnancy. And and I don't believe for a moment that you and I part ways on that point. In that one, we do. I'm, you I'm, would you would actually be okay with forcing not, a woman to carry a pregnancy through? Like I said. Well, no, you said I'm that you wouldn't saying. force her, but then you said we part ways where I said that I wouldn't want to force her. Right. Because you can't have it both ways. Short of putting words in my mouth. Well, your own words. I never said. I never said. I agreed with forcing her, but I'm adamant on the fact that equal rights. <laughs> if you want, if you're a half of a person, okay. If a woman has a right to carry that pregnancy, even though the man doesn't want her to, mm-hmm. she has the right to fuck up his life for the rest of his life so that he has to pay child support and take out a certain amount, even if he doesn't want a child. You're shifting gears into a completely separate issue. I no, agree. I, I'm bringing it right back around. Okay, go for it. I'm interested to see how you play this one. If, if the woman has an abortion, then the man has to deal with that hole for the rest of his life. Like the emotional hole, you mean? Right. Okay. So, but if the woman cannot, if if the woman, or no, if <laughs> okay, well, look, look, I, 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 I think you're getting emotional here, but at the no, risk, at, at, the, at the at the risk of putting words in your mouth, I'm going to see if I understand where you're going here. Your points break down basically like this, as I understand them. If a woman has got the choice to continue with a pregnancy or not no no, we'll just assume for a second she's continuing with the pregnancy right that doesn't relieve the father of financial responsibility and um, whatever else goes along with the responsibilities of upkeeping a growing and developing child correct and that is unfair Mm -hmm. and unacceptable in in your mind absolutely okay on the flip side, you have the the woman has decided she does not want to continue with the pregnancy, mm-hmm. even though the potential father in the situation adamantly wants her to keep the pregnancy. And, and is willing to raise it on his own. She doesn't even have to be there. She can still go to school and do all that kind of shit. Well, I think she has to be there for at least nine months of it. <laughs> right. So... This this is the part I don't understand, because while I agree with you that I think it's I, I I don't think it's reasonable that a woman who's decided by herself that she wants to continue with a pregnancy that's unwanted by the man should be able to demand 
and expect financial support or any other kind of support. I mean, if he's basically said, look, I'm out, let the guy go. You want to have this baby on your own? Have the fucking baby on your own. Nobody's trying to stop you. All we're saying is like, look, I'm not ready to be a dad. I'm not going to be a dad. I'm not going to support you because I'm not financially capable of that. Like, whatever your reasons are. Even if he is, he doesn't want to. Yeah. Just think, I have decided that my financial thing doesn't involve a fucking big drain, which is raising a kid. Like, it's a Mm -hmm. big fucking commitment, right? right? Let the guy go. I, I think that would be reasonable. That would be fair. Mm-hmm. I don't know that um, because the guy's on the hook that the woman should similarly be put on the hook. Like if it's a case of, look, she says it's a case of, I don't mind being pregnant, but I don't want to have a baby. In that scenario, I, I think like what you're saying works out. Well, let the guy raise the kid on his own, whatever mm-hmm. the fuck the case may be. If it's right. a case of she doesn't want to go through the pregnancy, where do you land on that? Would you expect that you would have some say in whether or not she carries a pregnancy, even if she doesn't want to? I guess I can't answer that right now because I'm not, I don't, I don't, I totally don't agree with forcing women to to follow through with a pregnancy, but I also don't agree with shortchanging somebody who wants to. So I don't see much of a gray area. And that's sort of what I was pushing you on. You, you, You said I was putting words in your mouth. I just, I'm trying to like, send back to you what I, I, I'm receiving because I'm what I'm getting is a conflict of, of ideas. Okay, for remedy of this situation, the laws have to change. If a woman wants to have a baby and the man doesn't want to be involved, then he should have absolutely, they should change the laws and sign a piece of paper and say he is no longer responsible because I am choosing not to have an abortion and raise this child on my own. That would make it the proper fairness for a woman to say, sorry, bud, I don't want to have a baby. So this is like, it's 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 a catch twenty two, because the guy's always fucked no matter what. Well, I think that's true all across the board, and I don't think it's limited to like dealing with 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 an unwanted pregnancy. I mean, the guy. Right in this case, we're just talking about a boy. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, it, it, as much as my emotions would tell me that I would like to have some say in things, I mean, even like my wife, we've been together for many years. Mm-hmm. If a pregnancy were to result from you know our physical the physical part of our relationship. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, I like super excited about having another kid. And she's like, now nah, I don't want to have one. And she went and got an abortion. I might be a little butt hurt, but ultimately I don't feel like I've got a leg to stand on as, as far as like, you know, accusing her of any wrongdoing. Cause at the end of the day, you, you can't compromise in, in a situation like that. You're either seeing a pregnancy through or you are not. There's no like, okay, well I'm going to carry it part way. And then we'll put the fucking embryo in your pocket and you gestate it the rest of the time. It's just not the way the, the human bodies work yet. Mm-hmm. Right, yet. <laughs> right. But I, I also took a safe road. And for me personally, I did exactly what you said. I made sure that somebody that understands that if they get pregnant, then in this case, it's being followed because I love being a dad and I would absolutely do it again. We've already talked that to death thing. Yeah, no, if it's it happens, it's, it it's one of those things. It's it's worth like getting that sorted right at the beginning of a relationship because I yeah. mean that's one of the first things that my and you know what that would alleviate any issue. It's one of the the first things that my now wife told me when we first got together was like, um, we were we were talking about like you know the pros and cons of abortion at that time. I was still kind of like a pro lifer, and she was very pro choice. But what she said was like, look, I'm just at that point in life where. 
you know, the biological clock is ticking. And if you knock me up, you're going to be stuck with me for a while. Like she just put it out there like <laughs> right up front. Right. So like I knew what I was working with mm-hmm. and I, I think it's fair to do that. But yeah, I don't want to get hung up on the relationship shit because nope. I, I don't think that motherhood or parenthood really in general should be taken lightly. Right. And if it's a case of like, you're dealing with somebody who just like, they know that I may one day be ready to have kids. Today's not that day. And shit happened. If I can have the abortion, whatever. Yep. Like, let let it happen. So what's your next point? Um, well, really, the, the last one is, is that um, a lot of people on the pro-life side of things, they seem to, like, have this weird idea in their heads that, like, people that have abortions or who support abortions on some level have some hate on for babies or, you know, like you can't possibly love kids and blah, blah, blah. Now, like if I can draw back to like the abortion that one of my exes had had against my will, Mm -hmm. that relationship was basically doomed to failure, Mm -hmm. which is fine. Had she carried that pregnancy through and followed my wishes, that would have been like a full on child that would have drastically adjusted the, trajectory of your life yeah in in a huge way absolutely and that would have put me in a position where i think that the kids that i ended up having later on would have been born with an immediate disadvantage because i would have had all these years of having to pour my resources both financially and my my time resources into raising this this kid that just came about at maybe not the best time in life Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have been able to develop professionally. I wouldn't have been able to mature in a lot of the same ways that I ended up. You know, there would have been this big disconnect for, you know, the younger kids being born with this now, like, adult sibling who they've got this odd biological connection to, but no real relationship. I mean, there's just so many things that I I, I think that, the, the kids I have now would have like missed out on had I had that baby years and years and years ago. Right. And because I love my kids and I love what I can give them today, both of myself and of my money and of my time, like all this stuff, looking back, don't really have any hard feelings or regrets about the fact that that pregnancy terminated at a time when I couldn't see it was the right choice. Right. Fair enough. There, there is one more point I would like to make. Sure. And with human beings being pro-choice, mm-hmm. though people may not agree with it, you, the, the truth is you have to look at it from every angle. And though it's not your choice, whether somebody goes through something or not, you as a human being have to respect that somebody may have a different opinion than you do. It happens. And that their choices are not going to agree with you. So even if you're anti-abortion... If that person decides to have an abortion, it's not affecting you. If you think it's murder, then that's your problem. It's not your life. It doesn't affect you in any way. There's like 800 degrees of separation there. It doesn't affect you. Yeah, it, it, hurt, it hurt, hurts your feelings. It doesn't really change anything, right? Right. And there's and, a million and, and one things in life that hurt our feelings. And you can choose how you react to everything. Mic drop. <laughs> Thank you for listening. This is and always will be a politically incorrect version of the Missionary Position Podcast. Mission Studios, the Missionary Position Podcast, their employees, 
or its entertainers are in no way comparable for anyone being butthurt, slighted, or in any way offended. If you as a human being cannot accept that something may sound like a close resemblance to your situation and not be totally about you in your little remnants of an existence, that is your issue. Send your opinions, hate mail, boob pics, full nudes, ideas, or questions in the form of an email to missionarypod at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at missionarypod and like us on Facebook at Missionary Position Podcast. If you are so inclined to help this broadcast get better, or just wish to help out, our Patreon account is patreon.com slash missionarypod. 